He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Father, we thank you that you have given us gifts. You've given us the gift of life through Jesus Christ. You've given us hope through the resurrection. You've given us a life that's worth living because of your plan and purpose for us. Father, this morning as we worship you, I pray that the name of Jesus be lifted up, that all men will be drawn unto him. Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise this morning because you're good. You're good. You are good. No matter what else this world throws at us. We thank you for this day and for this opportunity to worship you. And I believe we're going to worship in spirit and in truth, led by your Holy Spirit, speaking words of truth and life, giving you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So now, I, I just had this thought. You can do it if you want or not, but I encourage you, if you're at home watching right now or uh, wherever you're at watching this live, uh, I encourage you to stand up and worship today. I encourage you to, to uh, enter in, really worship. Stand up, worship. Now, if you're driving, obviously, you know, take it easy, settle down. But if you're driving, why are you watching this anyway? Now I'm going to stop. I'm going to move on. Let's worship God. Good morning. And to all the mothers out there this morning, happy Mother's Day. We owe so much to our mothers. Uh, thank you for the opportunity again to speak a little bit over the offering today. For those who don't know me, I'm Brian Eager. I'm a member here at RVCC. I want to speak a little bit on prosperity and financial stewardship. There's so much that can be said in both areas, both on prosperity and on financial stewardship. So I just want to scratch the surface and give us something to think about, ponder, and pray about and take with us. There is an anti-prosperity teaching attitude in much of the church today, and yet most of the people with that attitude want to prosper. There are reasons this attitude is so prevalent. Some prosperity teachers live lifestyles that accommodate criticism. I understand that. But faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. And faith for prosperity comes by hearing teaching on prosperity. We need to know what scripture really says about prospering and prosperity. First Chronicles 29.12 says, Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. The Lord said those who trust in him would not lack any good thing. Trusting in ourselves or in this world system is a recipe for disaster. We don't have the capacity to correctly direct our own steps. There's a better way. And that's God's way. 
Jeremiah 12, 23 says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And Deuteronomy 8.18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. God is the one who gives us the power to get wealth. You notice it doesn't say that he gives us wealth directly. He gives us the power or the ability to get wealth. Whether we realize it or not, God is the source of our prosperity. We might say, well, I work for this money. God didn't give it to me. I earned it. Well, let me ask this question. What did we do to be born at this most prosperous time in the history? We could have been born slaves or in a country where there aren't economic opportunities. We didn't give ourselves our talents and abilities. We can develop our talents, but each one of us has giftings that are directly given to us by God. We can't develop what God did not give us. Whether we realize it or acknowledge it or not, God is the source of our prosperity. Financial prosperity isn't God giving us money. He gives us an anointing that enables us to prosper. The real asset is not the money, it's not the house, it's not the car, it's not the physical, tangible things, it's the anointing of God to produce wealth. The real asset is the favor of God. Money isn't prosperity. Money is a byproduct of prosperity. Just as a good life, a good home, a good family is a byproduct of prosperity. Many Christians fall into the trap of measuring prosperity by the number of things they have. Being prosperous is relying on God as our source. In 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, we understand, we look around, we see that people can prosper without trusting God. But in many cases, and usually, it destroys people's lives. They have hardship, stress, marital problems, and on and on. They might be rich in possessions, but it costs them in many other areas. If we prosper God's way, the blessing of the Lord will make us rich, and no sorrow will be added to it, in Proverbs 10.22. I believe that the first step to prosperity is recognizing that we are a steward of God's finances. This requires a huge mindset shift from the way that the world views money. The world encourages us to be an owner and not a steward. But it's not up to us to pick and choose what we do with our finances. God has given us finances so that we'll trust him with them. Then he will cause us to prosper. I know that sounds too good to be true, but it's truth. God has a plan for each of our lives. If we start from a position of stewardship and let him be the owner, we will be blessed. When God is our source, he will supply all of our needs. And it won't be according to the world's economy, with all of its depressions and recessions and diseases and 
sequestering, but our needs will be supplied according to God's economy. And that's very powerful. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God says he'll supply all of our need. And it's not going to be according to the world's system. When God is our source, we will not only have a supernatural prosperity, but we'll also have a peace that people of the world don't have, nor can they understand. When we tithe, many of us feel that we're giving from what we've earned. After all, we're the ones who put in the work to get the paycheck. But everything would change for us if we saw ourselves as handling God's resources. Stewards are ones who see themselves as accountable for what God has entrusted to them. Trusting God in the area of finances is a baby step in faith. And if we can't trust him with that which is least, then according to what Jesus said in Luke 16, he can't trust us with heavenly riches. Luke 16, 10 and 11 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? We need to develop our faith in the area of finances. This is the starting place to trust God for our finances, and we cannot skip or skimp in this. If we understand financial stewardship properly, it will enable us to be a blessing to others. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. The reason God makes grace abound to us is so that we'll abound and give to every good work. The real motive behind finances shouldn't be to get, it should be to give. That's a critical point. But as Pastor Dan Dennison used to tell us, it's not wrong for us to have things. It's wrong for things to have us. It's a very important point. Many people who reject teaching on biblical prosperity do so because they see it as selfish or greedy. They say, I've got enough. I may not be rich, but I have a roof over my head, and I have my basic needs covered. I have food. I don't want or need any more. But to me, that's a selfish attitude. If we have all we need, we should trust God for more so that we can help others. The thinking that says, I've got enough, forget everyone else, to me is the truly selfish attitude. We need to prosper, not so we can have more or bigger, which is not always bad, but so we can be a bigger blessing to other people. The Lord told Abram that he would bless him and make him a blessing in Genesis 12 too. You can't give away what you don't have. Abram couldn't be a blessing to others until he had been blessed. Likewise, you and I cannot fulfill God's purposes for our lives without receiving his prosperity. God's kingdom cannot advance without God's people prospering. We need this revelation. We need to know how to prosper God's way. So today as we give, let's seek God's direction in how and where to give. If you want to give to River Valley Christian Church Lake Elmo, you can go to rvcc.com donate.
info, I'm sorry, rvcc.info slash donate. There's a button there to give through PayPal or your credit card. You can also drop off your offering at uh, River Valley Christian Church Monday through Thursday from 9 to 3, or you can mail in your offering to River Valley Christian Church, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. The other ministries associated with RVFM have buttons or locations on their websites where you can click and donate and other ways to give. So thank you very much. I'd like to pray over the offering. Father God, we do thank you that your word tells us that prosperity comes from you, that you have given us the opportunity, you've given us the means to create wealth, to get wealth. And Father, we ask that you would give your people, us, the body of Christ, ideas and anointings to earn. Father, not just for us, because you promised us that you would take care of all of our need, but that we would also be able to turn around and provide for the need of others. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all of our mothers. We thank you, Father, that you've given them the ability to raise us and that we are what we are. And Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to get together and worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the opportunity to speak today. God bless you. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's good to see the camera. Good to see Vince behind the camera. Vince is waving. Brian, Brian uh, Honerbrink running sound. Kayla Molnar running PowerPoint. Peter Molnar running everything. And Tally, my daughter, running the other camera. Want to wish everybody happy Mother's Day, especially the mothers. And uh, moms are good, amen? Moms are, are needed. Moms, you know, you, you just, whenever you start thinking, you know, taking your mom for granted, remember, she's the one who feeds you every day. So, treat her nicely. God bless the moms. Turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, beginning with verse... 34, it says this, So the crowd answered him. So the crowd answered him. Okay, who's the crowd? The, you know, we need to do this in context. I didn't want to spend a lot of time <clears throat> reading all of the background, what's been going on up until this point, but that's a good place to explain who the crowd is. The crowd answered him because he was teaching them. He was teaching them something, he was saying something to them, and they answered him. Who was the crowd? Well, if you read in John 12, if you read all the way back to the beginning of it, it is the triumphal entry. These, the, Jesus had just come into Jerusalem, he came in on a colt, they were laying his, their coats down in front of him, they were putting palm branches down in front of him, and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was, they, were, they were basically declaring him publicly as the Messiah. This is the crowd that saw him come into Jerusalem, said, he's the Messiah, we're choosing to recognize him as the Messiah, and, and you're the Messiah, you're the Messiah, Jesus, and they're excited. People are shouting, people are excited, and what he does 
is that some very short period after that happened, whether it was the same day or that same crowd looked for him when he came in from the Mount of Olives again, and uh, he's there, and they, he begins to teach them. And what he teaches them is this. He said, it's time for me to die. Well, that wasn't within their plans. He didn't say straight out, I have to die, but he said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot produce a harvest. And he's saying, he says, I'm, I'm, my time here is short, I'm moving on. This is, we're at the end of this part of it. And they're, so they, he's preaching that sermon, and you can read that yourself, you can look back and look at all of that. But starting with verse 34, says, so the crowd answered him. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? If you're the Messiah, if you're the, the anointed one, if you're the Christ, if you're the answer to all of our prophecies, all of our, everything that, that's been going on for thousands of years, if you're him and you say you're going to die and the word says that the, the Christ remains forever, then who is this son of man you're talking about? What are you talking about? Bottom line, they're saying, what are you talking about? He, you know, here's Jesus, the, the most anointed person that had ever walked on the earth, the most anointed person who had ever walked on the earth, was speaking to them truthfully. He was speaking to them plainly. He was telling them the truth. And they were looking at him going, what are you talking about? How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little longer. Walk in the light while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid, them, hid himself from them. Literally, within a matter of hours, whether it was a few hours or 24 or 48 over, but it was less than two, two days, he, he went from the pinnacle, the top, the, the most influential person in that city at that moment Literally, he could have said and done anything and they would have followed him. They all, not, maybe not all of them. You know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees hated him. They were, they were looking for a way to kill him. The Romans obviously weren't going to. But the people of Israel were going to follow and they were going to do whatever he said. And so what he says is, I now need to fulfill why I came here. I need to die. I need to lay down my life. And they said, what are you talking about? You know, if the most anointed person that's ever lived on the earth, the most anointed person who's ever taught, who's ever, done, who's ever said anything to anybody, couldn't get people to understand him and to believe him, why do you think you will? It's a tough question. Especially in the light of today, in this world that we live in. 
And then when Jesus had said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe. He had done so many miraculous things. He had raised the dead. He had, he had healed the, the, the blind. He had healed the dumb, the mute. He had, he had healed the, the leprous. I mean, people saw it. They saw it right in front of them. They saw it manifested. They saw a miracle. They saw the, the, the water turned into wine. They saw the food produced. They saw him, you know, they didn't all see him walking on the water, but the, the, the disciples saw him walking on the water. You know, the 12 disciples saw him walking on the water, and still Judas goes, nah, not him. I'm going to turn him in for 30 30 pieces of silver. If the most anointed man that ever walked the face of the earth, that ever taught anything from the very throne room of God, couldn't convince people of the truth, why do you think you can? When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? We are walking in some really dark times. This is darkness. This is the world situation right now is dark. The the times that we're in are dark. They're bleak. There's there's a lot of lies, there's a lot of falsehood, there's a lot of cheating, stealing, corruption. The world is stinking full of darkness. But Jesus said, it's time to walk in the light. It's time to walk in the light. He was at the pinnacle, the the most amazing moment of his ministry, of his life on earth. And he said, I'm done here. I need to go fulfill. I need to go obey the Father and I need to go die. And they're all like, huh? What they didn't know you know, especially the crowd. The crowd had no clue what was going on. They never did have a clue what was going on. But even the disciples had no idea that the darkest day of their life was coming up probably within about 24 hours. The darkest time of really all mankind. Now you might think today is dark. It's not as dark as that day. Why do I say that? Why can I say that? Because the God of all creation the, the Word, the Word Himself. God manifested among us. Emmanuel was about to be killed horrifically by the hands of man. There, is, there has never been a darker day than that day. The earth shook because they killed the Son of God. Darkness came over the earth because they killed the Son of God. You think this is dark? This ain't nothing. It's dark. There, you can go through this with no hope. 
You could go through, the world is going through this with no hope. I, I ran into a, a gentleman yesterday, good friend, and we were talking. He's a, he's a, he's a law enforcement officer. And we were talking and we were joking about life and this, everything that's going on. And, and I said, how you doing? And he goes, you know, he says, man, people are scared to death out there. He says, people are frightened. People are scared. They, you know, you walk through the store and people look at you. It's dark out there, folks. I mean, I could push this. I can keep pushing the sermon darker and darker, but you need to know there's light. And where's the light going to come from? The light comes from you. The light comes from me. Jesus said, walk in the light. Walk in light. What is light? God is light. Truth is light. The word of God is light. It's time to walk in light. So Jesus hides himself from the crowds. He, he goes away. We know that he's going away to have the last supper, to have the last night. And then, for the next five chapters, from chapter 15 through, uh, I'm sorry, from chapters 13 through 17, is that five? 13, 14, 15, 16, ah, 17, five. The next five chapters, he can say anything that he wants, and it's recorded. And we see, it is so important to see what he did in the darkest moment of his life, his life on the earth, the darkest moment of, of all of history. In the darkest moment, what did Jesus do? Because it's what we need to do. But he hid himself. He got away. He, he, he just, you know, I thought of that this morning, that it was like a reset. So, you know, we, we all, you know, everybody has one of these now. You know, if you don't have a smartphone, you know, like you're, you know, ugh, you know, ugh. But some of you like to be, yep, yep, they're pointing at each other, ugh, ugh, technology bad. But everybody's got one of these. And, and I had one of the very first smartphones. It was a Windows-based, and that thing was a pain in the, it was not, it was annoying. And, and you'd have to reset that thing 15, 20 times a day. You know, it would just, it would get all, you know, the memory and everything else would get all messed up. Well, nowadays, you know, this one is amazing. I won't tell you what brand. It's not a commercial or anything. But this is an amazing phone. This thing, I mean, it, oh. oh. This, this thing is amazing. It just runs and runs and runs. But there are days, see, you know, right now, see, my bro, I'm, I'm safe. I'm safe because my brother uh, has, uh, uh, my brother every once in a while tries to call me during my sermon. And, you know, so if he's watching right now live, now's your time. Now's the time to call me. He calls me because he wants to catch it and he wants it to ring in my pocket and cause, cause a, you know, a problem. And so, but, so I turned it off today, though. You can't, it's not going to actually happen. But this phone is amazing, but I still, every once in a while, have to turn it off and turn it back on because it gets so full of whatever is in there, all the data, all the save stuff, all the... He's calling. Jay? Nice. <laughs> There it is, Jay. Good job. I'm not going to answer it. Oh, I'll answer it. No, never mind. I won't answer it. All right. You can quit calling now. But you've got to reset that thing. 
Because it gets so full of stuff, it gets so full of information so much that every once in a while you just kind of turn that thing off and then turn it back on and it starts running right again. Jesus, in the darkest moment of his life, decided to reset. He shut it off. He walked away from the crowd, the crowd that wanted to make him king, the crowd that wanted to make him, you know, the Messiah. And he walked away from them. And he got alone and he said some really important things. And he did some really important things that we need to take note of today. Turn to John chapter 13. It's time to walk in the light. So Peter, tomorrow I won't be able to tell you what the sermon title is. It's time to walk in the light. That's the sermon title. John 13, 1 says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were, on, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He taking up a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured out water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In the middle of everything, God, you know, Jesus knew that God had put everything in his, in his, in his life. He, he, he put every, all authority, all power. He had to. For, him, for that death on the cross to mean something, he had, a, he had to have all the power to do anything he wanted. And he decided to obey. And what he did in that moment of darkness, I mean, it was dark. You know, if you look back in, in chapter 12, when he's talking to the crowd, he even, at one point, he just exclaims out loud. He says, he goes, it's, the, it's too dark for me. If this could pass through, you know, he said it more than once. It wasn't just in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, he says, let this pass from me. I can't do this. This is too much. And a voice, he says, you know, but he says, yet, not my will. He didn't say it exactly that way. He said, but grace, give me grace. And God says, You're, I'm exalting you. A voice from heaven said it. In the middle of that, all authority, all power, all... And what does he do? He serves his friends. I was uh, talking to a friend recently. And in the middle of the conversation, it just, it just came up with, you know, inside of me. I was like, I am longing for the day when I can have a regular conversation with somebody and... The words COVID and quarantine and governments and the word idiots doesn't come up. I really want a day where we don't talk about the loss of our freedom, the loss of this. I just I long for a day when we when we just live. Man, I'm just aching for that. Do you know that can be today? You can make a choice today. And that's what this is all about. We need a reset. We need a reset. You need a reset. We need to just turn it off for a second and do what's really important. And what's really important is what Jesus did, does in these five chapters. And I want you to take note of it. The first thing he did 
was that he realized all authority, all power. He could do anything he wanted. And what did he do? He served somebody. So this week, I want to challenge you. I'm going to to challenge you with a, a number of things during this sermon. Some things that you can actually do to reset. One of the things I want you to do is for a period of time, I encourage you to do it for a week, is turn it off. Turn off the news. Turn off Facebook. Turn off whatever you're watching or listening to. I know, I know it's scary. But just turn it off for a while. And walk in the light. The news is going to be there. I can guarantee you you'll come back in five days, three days, a day and a half, whenever time, however long you feel led to turn it off, an hour, and the news will still be there. The statistics will still be there. The argument will still be there. But what I encourage you to do is to reset. And how did Jesus reset? Well, first thing he did is he served somebody. Serve somebody. Help somebody out. Do something for somebody else. Be a blessing. One of the things that's just, and I, and I am so guilty of it. I am so horribly guilty of it, is I get all wound up about this. Because I do have very strong feelings about what's happening and what should be happening and what I think should happen. And if I was in charge, this is, would be happening different. And I get wound up. But it's not helping me. Well, one of the verses, I don't even know if I'll get to it because I just added it uh, as during worship because I had this thought. You know, there's, in Luke, it talks about how uh, in the end times, men's heart will fail them because of the darkness. They'll get so worried. They'll get so wound up that it'll start affecting them physically. Here we are. We need to, we need to reset We need to walk in the light. It doesn't help. You're not going to convince anybody. I'm not going to convince anybody by posting one more thing that tells about how stupid everybody else is. Although I want to. I do. It's within me. It's It's that natural human thing that I just like, you guys are idiots. Stop it. But it does, yeah, nobody's going to get convinced. Everybody who agrees with you is going to go, yay! Everybody who disagrees with you is going to go, ooh. Same people. Same all the time. Why? Because people have already made up their minds. We need to, the only way this thing changes, the only way your life changes and moves forward is to do what Jesus did. And he reset. And he served somebody. Then we go on. John chapter 13. He says this. John chapter 13 beginning with verse 34. It says, A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Isn't that interesting? A new commandment I give you. He had never said that before. Right? And that's what it says right there. It says, A new commandment I give you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, and also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How did Jesus show love to his disciples? 
How did he love them? Well, you go through 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? And one of the things that he did to love them was he put up with them. You know, there were many times when he said, how much longer do I have to put up with you people? He loved them by going, you know what? You're not getting this. You're, you're, I don't think he said the word idiots. He may have. But he goes, come on, people. Think about this. How much longer? But he, he loved them. He showed them. He stuck with them. He stuck with them day and night for three years. All the way to the end. And how do you know that he walked in love? Because he washed his disciples' feet. And who was in the room when he washed the disciples' feet? Judas. Jesus knew exactly what Judas was doing. No doubt. No question in my mind. He knew exactly what was about to happen. Because he read the scriptures. He knew that one was going to betray him. And he's sitting there every day going... Probably not him, probably Judas. And he washed his feet anyway. How do we know that he knew? Because he turned to Judas and said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. Get her done. So what did Jesus say? What did he do? What, how else do we, we serve others, but we also love? Which means that those people who are ticking you off on Facebook... Love them. Oh, oh, that's it. You're just pushed it too far now, Pastor. Give me a break. Love them? How, what does that mean? It means put up with them. Believe the best. Honor them. Don't be boastful. Don't be rude. Stop being rude. I'm going to purpose to stop being rude because I want to be rude every day. I have been, I've been wanting to be rude and I've been wanting to tell people the truth and I know it's the truth because I, I believe it. Stop it, John. Walk in love. Speak life. Speak life. John chapter 14. Verse 11. So he said, he served people and he walked in love. This is all at the end, right at the very end of his life. John 14, 11. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So what he's basically saying is, you do what I tell you to do. You go where I tell you to go. You, you say what I tell you to say. You do the works that I've been doing. What did he do? He preached the gospel. He shared his faith. He shared the, the hope. He shared the good news of the gospel. But he also laid hands on the sick. He also healed. He also uh, did miracles. He did all the stuff. He, can, he said, I will, you, you're going to go and you're going to do all the stuff. All you have to do is ask me and I'll, I'll do it. You know, I love the, 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 the offering sermon today is that God, God wants to bless you. That's the truth. The gospel, the good news is that we don't have to live the way everybody else is living. 
We can live differently. We can live blessed lives. We can live healed lives. We can live whole lives. We can, our, our body, our soul, our mind, everything can be walking in wholeness. And we can tell other people that they can live that way too. We need to get busy. This is not a time to, to hole up and, to, and, to, and, to, and to, to shelter in place. I didn't mean that as a slam. I mean it as you can do good from your own home. You can do good from your own home. You can, you can call your friends. You can call that person you've had an argument with for 40 years. And you can call them and say, hey, I just want to say, I'm sorry for, for whatever happened. I love you. And you can bless somebody. Do the work that Jesus did. Do the works. Do the stuff. So he served, he loved, and he told us to get to work. John 15. John 15, 18. Sorry. Sorry, I jumped over a whole part. John 14. John 14, 25. It says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. As the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. My goodness, in a time and a place where the, where the world is so full of fear, how can we overcome that fear? He just told us, be filled with the Spirit. Serve people, love people, uh, um, uh, uh, get to work. But how do we get to work? We get filled with the Spirit. Now's the time. This week, when you're turning everything off, it's not just to turn everything off and then sit in silence. Because that would drive us all nuts. It isn't that we're saying shut it all off and just sit and do nothing. Although that'd be nice too. It says be filled with the Spirit. How are you filled with the Spirit? Father, I need, I want, I need more of you today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with you, Father. You ask. Jesus said, you want to be filled with the Spirit of God? Ask. And he's a good father. He's a good father. Even, even bad fathers, if, you, if your son asks for bread, he'll give you bread. He won't give you a stone. If he asks you for a fish, he'll, he'll give you a fish. He won't give you a scorpion. How much more will, the whole, will God give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? So, Father, this week, I need, I need more of you. I've been running on empty this week, Lord. I've been running on fumes. I've been struggling this week. Been having a rough week internally, mentally, social, you know. I've been running on fumes. It's been a hard week. I've had, you know, don't have a lot of patience this week. I haven't had a lot of, lot of grace this week. I, the only way that's going to work is I'm more full of Him because I can't do it in myself. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're in John 15, verse 18. He then says this, If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as, you as its own. 
But because you are not of the world, because, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Good news. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know who sent me. They don't know who's sending you. They don't know. Hey, people aren't going to like you. People of the world aren't going to like you. It's just the reality of it. You have a choice, though, how you respond to them. You have a choice. I have a choice. How I respond to people who hate me just because God lives in me. When they tell you, blah, 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 Christianity's a bunch of blah, 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 you have a choice on how to react to them. Well, of course they're going to hate you. They're lost. They're in the darkness. They have no hope. They are fearful. They don't have anything. They have no reason to agree with you. You wonder why people don't agree with you. They're in darkness. Or you're wrong. You know, we can have opinions even if we're full of God and still have the wrong opinion because we're wrong. Whoa, whoa, sorry. Hopefully you have your steel-toed slippers on there at home. But we have a choice on how we react to it. You can either get mad and just, okay, now I'm going to post something that even really zings them. Let's get them this time. Because I want to do that. I do that. I, 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 I'm ready to push the button, and I go, no, I'm not going to push the button. I think about my wife and her, you know, trying to, don't do that, John. You, please don't say that out loud. Ooh, ooh. I need more renewing. I do. Because I want, oh, I want to push the button every, I want to mash it. I want to just mash it. But don't, you have a choice. You have a choice to walk in love. Understand who they are. Understand that those people who will not listen to you because you're a Christian, they're not listening to you because of you. They're, listening to, they're not listening to you because of him. They're ignoring him first. You just happen to be in the way. So they're going to hate you. Don't be surprised. But even in the midst of that, verse 33 says, Jesus has overcome the world. Persecution will come. This is nothing. This is a warm-up. This is a training run. If you're having trouble because people are persecuting you, you need to toughen up. Because this ain't nothing. Well, but they said that, that I'm not smart, that I'm simple. Oh, Poor thing. They haven't beheaded you yet, right? That happens, you know. Persecution will come. Toughen up. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 32. This is just this progressive. He's, he's teaching, he's training. There's so much. This, this, I'm just reading snippets 
of, a, of a, such a powerful last words. John 16, verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you'll be scattered each to his own home. I read this a few weeks ago. Scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus knew the path that he was taking. He knew the direction God was leading him. He knew the pain, the suffering, the agony, the, the horror you know, of, of all the, the physical things that man did to him. Nothing was as bad as the understanding that all sin was going to be placed on him. He had never sinned. He had never knew sin. He had come from heaven sinless. In heaven he was sinless. He came to earth sinless. It's the only reason the, the crucifixion, the, 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 the sacrifice works for us is he had no blemish, no, no problem, no, nothing in his life that sin or that death could hold him on. And yet he was obedient even to that, the sin load being of the whole world. That is agony. And he said even in the middle of that, he realized he's not alone. Do you know that everybody in the world can hate you? Everybody on Facebook can hate you. But you're not alone. Because he's with you. No matter what you're going through. No matter what you're dealing with. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Doesn't matter how scary it gets. You are not alone. It's a promise. Serve somebody. Love. Be filled with the Spirit. Get to work. Persecution's going to come, but Jesus has overcome the world. Two more verses, two more sets of verses, and I'm done. John chapter 17. John, at the end, Jesus prays. At the end of the meal. I used to think this was, this was the prayer in the garden. It's not. It's, it's, at, it's still in the, the middle of, the, of that teaching, the middle of the, the Last Supper. John chapter 17, Jesus begins to pray. It says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Wow. Wow. Just think about that. What he's about to go through. What he's about to do. Everything that led up to it. Everything that's about to happen. He gets all done saying, guys, here's how you need to live your life from here on out. Unplug. Serve somebody. Love people that you run into, especially the ones that don't like you because persecution is going to come. Get busy. Start working. Get moving. Be filled with the Spirit. And then he says this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He gets, he gets to that moment, man. He's right at that moment. He's at the moment where he says, okay, God, 
Let's go. Okay, Father, I'm ready. And I pray before this, before this all starts, I just pray that they know you. He did it so that we can know the Father. That's what it was all about. Because we couldn't get to the Father before. We weren't worthy. We were sinful. We, we, we didn't, there's nothing we could do to get to God. He had to get to us and make a path, make a way. And that was Jesus. And Jesus' whole heart was, Father, I want them to know you. This week, I encourage you, unplug for a while. I don't care. Unplug however you want. This is not a law. This is not have to. This is get to. I encourage you to unplug. Quit watching the news just for a period of time. Quit listening to the statistics. Quit arguing. I encourage you, if you're going to put something on Facebook, make it life. Make it hope. Make it good. Serve somebody. Walk in love with somebody. Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to what really matters here. Because this is not as bad as it's going to get. (laughs) Ah, It's not as bad right now. It can get way worse than this. And it's going to. Think about this, just for a second. This is where I end. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, filled with the Holy Spirit for three years, he is, he is, he is, is the epitome of, of God on earth, the way, the way we are now, actually. The fullness of God, the Spirit of God lives in us. Jesus has come and made his home in us. We're part of him he had all this authority. He had all the ability. He had, all, he had everything that, that, that was supposed to be in Adam from the very beginning. And what did he do? He didn't argue once with the government. Think about that for a second. Now, it's not very popular right now to say that out loud. But he never once, not once, did he argue with what was going to happen to him. He didn't try to stop the persecution. He didn't try, whenever, he, whenever they persecuted him, he just spoke truth. You say, well, wait a second, he, he chewed out the, the, the uh, religious leaders. Right, because they were religious leaders and they were lying to the people and he was trying to straighten that out. But there's only a couple of places where he ran into the Roman government at any given time. One time, they said, Herod wants to see you. And he says, well, tell Herod I'll be in Jerusalem in a couple of days. That's it. That's all he said. When he stood before Pilate, Pilate goes, don't you know that I have the power to to give you life or death? And Jesus said, yeah, that power was given to you by my father. He didn't argue with him. He didn't open his mouth. He was a lamb being led to the slaughter. Why? Because that's what's going to happen. 
This world is going to be destroyed. This world is in a turmoil now, but this is just the birth pains. There's nothing you can do to stop it. That, you know, what, does that give you a feeling of hopelessness? It shouldn't. Because we're not alone in this. God said he will lead you and guide you. He will be with you to the end. But the reality, if I didn't tell you what the reality was, then I'm, I'm amiss. The reality is this is going to get worse. And I, I, I mourn it too. That's the part that I really have, I struggle with, is I mourn the loss of those days when, when I didn't have to think about this kind of stuff. But here we are. So how do we do it now? How do we live it? He's warned us for years. Get ready. How do we get ready? Okay, so here we are. It's time. It's time, it's time, it's time. How do we get, how do we do this now? We serve. Serve somebody. Love people. Get to work. Spiritual work. Be filled with the Spirit. Understand that persecution is going to come, but it's not even that person. Jesus is hanging on the cross. The soldiers have nailed the, the spikes in his hand. Even the Pharisees and Sadducees are ridiculing him. And what did Jesus say? Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. That's how he dealt with persecution. That's how he dealt with attack. Father, forgive them. Father, love them. I love them. I forgive them. This is tough stuff, man. This is, this, this is tough stuff. But it's a tough time, and we need truth, don't we? Reset. It's time to, it's time to take that phone, take that life, push the button until it says restart. I encourage you to do that this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you actually have an answer for us. You've got a plan. You've had a plan from the beginning, and that plan is working out beautifully. I pray that this week, Lord, as we reset and as we serve people and love people and, and as we speak life into people's lives, that people will be drawn unto you as we lift up the name of Jesus out of the love in our heart that every man, woman, and child that hears the word is drawn to you. I pray for their salvation, Father. I pray for life and life more abundantly. And if you're watching this and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you right now to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for the sin I've had in my life. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be in charge. I'm going to let you be, I'm going to let you be in charge from here on out. Live big in me, Lord so that I can live through you and touch the world around me. Lord, I want to get busy living, really living. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. We will see you in a week, either online or there or in the air. <laughs> Flashback to the 70s, eh? Here, there, or in the air. God bless. See you soon.